Hey, thanks for downloading this podcast. If you want to listen live, be sure to download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. We're back for hour number two of Fantasy Sports today. We've got an interview with Hall of Fame quarterback Warren Moon, as well as some high-low NFBC average draft position in fantasy baseball. We cover it all. Fantasy Sports Today, hour two starts now. Fantasy Sports Today. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Miss, Joe Pizapia with you back here on the show. The NFBC has produced about 50 to 60 drafts so far. So therefore, we have some ADP to review here on the show. And let's get started. We did a little bit of this yesterday. You can go back and listen on demand. Uh, some names that I think are intriguing that uh, we'll kind of throw out here a little bit. Let's start off with NFBC player 102 which is Luis Robert of the Chicago White Sox, whose ADP is soaring at this point based on the fact that the White Sox have given him a long-term extension. Therefore, there is no need for service time, and they could clearly have him in the opening day lineup in 2020. I guess the question is, Joe, will that come to fruition? Is he a big league player on opening day 2020? 102 for Luis Robert. Is it going to be higher, lower, or will he be the same when we're looking at drafts in late February and March. Yeah, he's definitely flying up right now. And it's because of the extension. It's because of the speed. That's what everybody's chasing. And I'm seeing this gross overreaction to stolen bases. Oh, stolen bases are down. Okay. Well, if stolen bases are down and there's nobody who's truly elite anymore in that category, what are you worried about? You could piece it together with the Whit Merrifields of the world. You know, Whit Merrifield scored 100 runs at 200 steal, uh, 200 hits last year, had uh, stole uh, 20 bags at 15 home runs. That's the kind of player I want. Uh, I'll, I'll piece together a couple of those dudes any day of the week. And, but the problem is the guy like the Louis Roberts of the world, they become very, very overrated quickly because of that whole uh, where the, where's the speed, where's he going to go, and where, where's that possibility. And I think from a volume standpoint, you'll probably get the stolen base of the 20-plus that you're looking for out of Robert. The question is what else comes with it at this stage in his career. A lot of people have pointed out the strikeout rate is a real question mark. A lot of people have pointed out that, you know, just kind of like Aloy started off a little slow last year. It could take him a little time to get ready and up to speed. And you look at the other guys around there. It's Trey Mancini. It's Andrew Benintendi, Marcelo Ozuna, Josh Donaldson. Um, Ozuna, Donaldson especially, those are two really proven talents. And then there's Yasiel Puig. And it's funny to me because I look at the profile of both Puig and Robert, and I don't think they're that far off. But I think Robert is going to break this 100, whereas Puig is not. So I think he's going to end up going higher when all is said and done. Because at the end of the day, you and I both know, there's one thing fantasy owners love, and there's one thing fantasy analysts love even more. It's to talk about the shiny new toy. And this year, Robert's the shiny new toy. And all that hype and all that discussion is going to push that ADP probably into the low 90s, if not higher. Whereas you could wait another 20 picks and probably get Puig wherever he lands. And Puig will probably have about the same stat line when all is said and done, if not better. Yeah, Robert is very similar to Tatis, I think, in a way where if you're doing multiple drafts, you probably want to have him 
in one you know, one share, two shares, just to kind of see what happens. Tatis is a further along developed. Hitter. Of course, of course. But but no look, fair. Robert could steal a lot more bases too. We don't know. Um, he's shown that in the minors. And again, you do if you're doing five drafts, is there anything wrong with reaching for Robert in one of them to take that no. chart? No, I think that's the point. Uh, but you don't want to go all in on a player in his first year, and that's definitely the case with Robert. But I agree with you. I think that he moves up before the uh, end of the draft season. Because remember, some of these NFBC drafts actually occurred right before he signed his extension, so that would obviously be accurate. Uh, at 114, we have Madison Bumgarner, who moves from San Francisco to Arizona. A little bit of a renewed uh, lease on his career. Goes to a place certainly where the environment isn't as good, but the team is certainly much better. So that you would think would be leading to more wins. Also, things can happen in the spring where pitchers get hurt. That could push Bumgarner up. Uh, but I would say that where his ADP, Joe, is right now at 114, I don't see much movement. I would say probably the same from February and March, but maybe, again, him changing leagues would push him up for some other people. Where do you see him next month? Do you see him at 114, higher, lower, or the same? Yeah, well, the changing teams thing, the, the biggest problem with that is he lost that advantage of that ballpark. And San Francisco was a real good ballpark for him. He had a real comfort level there last year. You look at the home road splits, they were fantastic in terms of how good he was at home. And they were not very good in terms of on the road. So now you're putting him granted in the same division. But at the same time, you know, Arizona is not the same ballpark. So I think he's the guy who's actually going to fall. I think people are going to look at this. They're going to start looking more at those splits. They're going to start reading their black book and see those splits. And they're going to go, oh, do I really want to take this shot? Now he's going to have some more run support. That's a positive. It's a pretty good team out there in Arizona. We talked about them at length yesterday. I would look at this and the same guys around here. Zach Wheeler, Frankie Montas are going about seven, eight picks after him. I'd rather have those guys. Denilson Lamette is going to be one of these guys, too. That's a real fantasy darling right now that people are loving. I think he's going to go ahead of Bumgarner. So I think all three of those guys are going to jump Bumgarner. So Bumgarner is going to end up, I think, in the 120s at least, if not more. Uh, I think as people in time goes on, I think Bumgarner falls actually in ADP. How about you? I, I think the same. I think that this is right about where he's going to be. I don't think that there'll be a rise. I don't think that there'll be a fall. I feel like this is an accurate number, if anything, uh, about the same. That that would be my prediction here. Uh, One nineteen, Denelson Lamet. Uh, I was fortunate enough to um, to break the story of Lamet's call up a couple of years ago. It was actually uh, on a Sunday night. I remember the Fab Budget running in the NL Tout Wars and people asking me who is who the bleep is this guy and why is he on your team? And then the next day he got called up. One of the advantages that I would say I guess I have in fantasy. Yeah, I want I expect those texts from you before these things happen. Like, hey, psst, by the way, go run this guy. Like, I want that. This year. I do. Right. I do have a short list of people who I send right. this to, so we can add you to that. Uh, and hey, and Lamette, is that like a short joke on me? I'm, I'm on the no, short no, list. All right. No, Easy. No. Uh, <laughs> Lamette, this is very surprising to me to see him this high. I, I, there are a lot of people who are very high on him, as they should. This is a very uber talented pitcher. But I mean, you're coming off a major injury, I, I, and I know that you'll love him because the strikeout potential is very high. I'm going to have to exercise a little bit of caution with him. I, I think getting ahead of the game on him was great, but everybody knows who he is now, and boy, I am surprised. This seems a little high for me on Lamette, and I'm guessing it will only be higher by the time that March comes if he has a good spring. But what kind of innings will he throw this year? <laughs> nobody, not, nobody ever wants to think about that, do they? All I'm they want to do is sure. write about the upside. I'm telling you right now, I, podcasts, I've seen articles, I've seen everything about Lamette, and this is another dude where they're talking about him and talking about him, and it's just going to keep pushing and pushing. And all of those questions, you're right. What's the innings? What are the Padres really at this point? I don't know. You don't know. They've got some talent. They've better than last year. Uh, can him and Lucchese and Paddock carry this rotation? It's possible, but it's also possible that they don't. It's also possible there's a lot of fallout in this rotation. So I don't see any way he doesn't crack through this 120. Like He's at 120 right now as of today. 
119 as of yesterday, I think he's going to crack that 110 group. Like, I think he's going to go up that high, if not higher. Whereas I will sit back and I will take Frankie Montas every time and I will be happy to do so. And if I have to pay a couple extra dollars for a Lamette when I could just take Wheeler, who's pitching in the same division, all he does is move ballparks. If I, you know, I mean, he's going higher right now than Lazardo, who's a nice young pitcher too, and Gallon. And I don't know how much further ahead Lamette is than Gallon or Lazardo at this point in their careers. I think those guys have a little bit more risk, a little bit, but not much more. Would you agree? Yeah, I, I think that you have to worry about the innings. And and look, the strikeout per nine is off the charts, and I think that's what is attracting a lot of people to him. Right. And if and if you're comfortable with 130 innings and 150 strikeouts for him, then take the player. But I don't think that you're getting much more than that. I don't think that he's going from 73 to 200 next year. Now, in two years from now, I will be all in on this guy because I think at that point he'll be fully recovered. But it is very rare for a pitcher to come off a Tommy John surgery and within two years throw 180 or 200 innings. All right, uh, we'll take a, a brief time out on Fantasy Sports Today, and we'll be back with more right after this. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Fantasy Sports Today. And I like football. And I'm going to keep doing them both because they make me feel good. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. This is Craig Mish along with Joe Pizzapia, Sean Guastamacchia producing the show. This is our number two of our program. In case you missed it earlier this week on Sports Grid, we had Warren Moon, Hall of Fame quarterback, on the show, previewing the upcoming games in the NFL this weekend. Here's a listen. Into the Elite Eight right now. Just uh, quickly, Matt Rule, as uh, Baylor football coach, Matt Rule's a new head coach of the uh, the Carolina Panthers. And uh, the New York Giants have just announced that uh, Joe Judge, who's a special teams coordinator, only 38 years old, will be their new head coach. But now we get word that the Giants have requested permission to interview Jason Garrett for their offensive coordinator uh, position. It's hard <laughs> to keep up, Warren, this morning. <laughs> yeah, somebody's jumping the gun on that one as far as uh, whether the Giants are going to hire a judge or not. I, I've been seeing it go across my TV screen that it's the breaking news, but if they're all of a sudden wanting to talk to, to Jason Garrett, that doesn't make a lot of sense. But um that's what happens in the news world today. Everybody wants to get the story as fastest, and they want to get it out there as quickly as they can, and sometimes it's inaccurate. And also, I think what you just said, a lot of times people in the NFL will do things that don't make a lot of sense, right, Warren? <laughs> as we've seen. Um, well, yeah. People, yeah, people tend to go with trends a little bit too much, and uh, I think this trend right now is to try and go with the sexy uh, – you know, young, innovative uh, mind from, for, for a new head coach. Uh, we saw it with Sean McVay. We, uh, we've seen it with, with uh, other young coaches. And, 
And I think that's what the New York Giants are trying to do right now. They're trying to go with a young guy who's only 38 years old. He comes from the New England Patriots who have a, a pedigree of success and, and innovation in their offense. So I'm, I'm thinking that's the reason why they're going that direction. What do you think, Warren, of you know, if you were a quarterback right now in right now in the National Football League, would you like a Cliff Kingsbury? Did you like you like a raw, raw sort of young college guy that's more of more sort of open and and modern? Or do you like the McCarthy hire uh, with Dallas? Where would you be at? And would it matter if you know how old you are in your career as well? If you're an older quarterback, do you want to deal yeah. with a younger coach? Does that come into it a lot? Well, I think that has a lot to do with it. Not so much uh, uh, older quarterback dealing with a younger coach, but you know, wanting to make a big change in the way you, your style of play is. When you when you become an older quarterback, you're kind of fixed into a type of style that you've had success with. So, if you had a guy, a young guy, come in and try and say change Tom Brady or try and change uh, Drew Brees or try and change Philip Rivers, probably not going to go over it too well. But if you have a young guy coming in to change a young quarterback like a, a, a Jones in, in New York, that, that makes a lot of sense. Or or a Kyler Murray, who is a rookie coming into the league, but he's uh, running an offense that he similar, uh, similarly ran in college. So those those things make sense. So it all depends on the fit. That has a lot to do with the coach you hire and the quarterback that you have. Since Joe Judge just has experience as a special teams coordinator right now and a wide receivers coach for the New England Patriots, how can you see someone who hasn't had that offensive or defensive coordinator position, nonetheless a head coaching position, translating right into a head coaching job in the NFL? Well, I mean, we've seen it happen. Uh, Matt LaFleur um, that's in, uh, in Green Bay right now. He wasn't a coordinator either, but and, and I think the, uh, the head coach for Cincinnati was a quarterback coach as well and wasn't a coordinator, but he got a head coaching job. So we're seeing uh, coaches that aren't coordinators being hired as position coaches to head coaches. And, and that's something that's kind of happening right now in the NFL. And that's what, what, I, what I was talking about. It's kind of the end thing to do right now to hire that young coach who, who you can kind of mold and, and, and make him into the type of head coach you want him to be. But he has a pretty good background and, and some pretty innovative offense that you want to bring to your football team. Yeah, Warren, it's it's just mind-blowing to me. I mean, you're talking about a guy who last coached in Green Bay. He had the 27th-ranked offense. Cliff Kingsbury was under 500 as a coach in college football. And now you got a guy in the biggest media market in the world who's never been a coordinator at 38 years old as the head coach. Has the league lost its mind? Like, I'm, I'm trying seriously to come up with a reason as to why this would be going on right now. Are we that desperate in this day and age? to try and save face? Like, does it start with the Maras and the ownership and start to come down? Like, where is it breaking down in the process? Well, you can't say it's breaking down because these young coaches are having success. Uh, Sean McVay's already been to a Super Bowl. Uh, you've got the, the coach in uh, LaFleur in, in Green Bay. He's 13-3 and three in his first season. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury, he wasn't a, a total bust in his first year at at, uh, at Arizona. They they got better as the season went along. So you're seeing these coaches have some success. Uh, they didn't have as much in Cincinnati, but they feel like the future is bright. So um, I think as long as these young coaches are starting to have success, this is the way that the league is going to continue to go. Uh, Hall of Famer Warren Moon uh, with us. Let's talk about a future Hall of Famer right now in Russell Wilson. And, and I want to get your thoughts on Tom Brady as well. 
you know, Tom Brady, I'm going to, you know, I tip my cap to him as being, you know, the best quarterback in the league and the winningest quarterback ever and everything that he's accomplished. But I've said for years, in a one-game setting, there's not a lot, you know, nobody I would rather have than Russell Wilson. And it doesn't matter, man, who's behind him, who he's throwing the football to. He's just a competitor. He finds a way to win football games. And you know, I've just got a ton of respect uh, for, 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 for the way Russell handles his business and goes about uh, himself. What is it about it? When you look at Russell Wilson, is it his patience in the pocket? Is it his competitiveness? What are his traits to make him so good, Warren? Well, he definitely has all the athletic traits that you look for in a quarterback. He has a great arm. He's probably one of the best deep ball throwers uh, in football. He's very accurate. He's very careful with the football. He hasn't turned it over very much in his eight years in the league. But I think the thing that's that's, um, even a bigger attribute of his is his mindset. The guy is so positive in uh, in the way he thinks. I know he uses a sports psychologist quite a bit. Uh, They always talk about you know, the positiveness of of of, uh, of greatness, of always thinking about the next play. Don't think about negative plays. Don't think. Don't bring negativity into your thinking. And he's that way not only with, with the way he is on the football field but off the football field. So I think that's one of his biggest attributes, that he never feels like the game is over until it's over. He's a guy that's been a winner uh, ever since he's been in high school, all the way through college, wherever he's gone, or, or now with the Seattle Seahawks. And he just believes that when it's time to be great in a football game, he can be the guy that's going to be great in the game. And he's going to be the guy to make the play going down the stretch. And that's what he's been able to do time and time again since he's been with the Seattle Seahawks. And I don't see it being any different uh, as he goes along with the rest of his career. It doesn't matter who you put around him. He makes that talent around him better. Who had ever heard of uh, D.K. Metcalf until Sunday afternoon? And, uh, you know, who, who had really heard of of uh, Tyler Lockett when he first came into the league. But these guys have become stars because they play alongside of Russell Wilson. Well, my friend Joe Ranieri, who you just heard ask a question, has always brought, he's always, Joe, you've always said the quarterback makes the wide receiver, not the other way around, right, Joe? So let me ask Warren, does the quarterback make the wide receiver or the wide receiver make the quarterback, Warren? Well, there's a little bit of, of, of that in both of them. But, yeah, a good quarterback is hopefully going to get the best out of a wide receiver because of the way they work together. And if that young receiver, like a D.K. Metcalf, who Russell has been working with diligently ever since the off season, all the way through the season, they meet early in the morning, they watch film together. Uh, this kid has really made a lot of improvement in his route running. All of that because the quarterback has kind of taken him under his wing and showing confidence in him. So I think the quarterback has a whole lot to do with the receiver being successful, especially if he's spending time with him, sees some type of uh, great attributes in him, and uh, and then has that confidence in him to go, in, go to him at the, at, the, uh, at the critical points in football games. If you're going to go to a guy that you really trust, that shows that you, uh, you have that type of trust in that receiver, and that receiver hopefully will uh, step up and make the plays for you. And we'll be back with more fantasy sports today, including a look at the NFBC's ADP. Will these players go higher, lower, or be the same when fantasy baseball season gets hot and heavy in February and March? Don't go away.
DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build and optimize lineups for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. Want to be the next daily fantasy legend? Go for the green with DailyRoto.com this fantasy golf season for a limited time. Get free access to Daily Roto's PGA DFS product, including fantasy projections powered by Data Golf, PGA betting tools, and of course, the DailyRoto.com Fantasy Golf Optimizer. Go lay up, go for the green with Daily Roto. Head to DailyRoto.com and enter the promo code GREEN to access your free seven-day golf membership. That is DailyRoto.com, promo code GREEN for your free trial, DailyRoto.com. That is where millionaires are made. And welcome back. This is Fantasy Sports Today. Yesterday on the show, we started to go through some of the uh, season win totals, which honestly aren't really valid at this point. Um, No offense to points bet, but they got those totals up. I actually asked yesterday after our show when the Vegas ones will be up, and I'm told January the 18th will be the uh, the ones that are more widely used. And in fact, even on points bet, now I'm not. Now you live in New Jersey, Joe, so you could actually check in on this. So as an experiment, if you wouldn't mind, mm-hmm. if you could sign up for this account at points bet for me and see what the max bet is on uh, on these win totals, if you wouldn't mind before next week. Could okay, you- sure. I'm not saying that it's about anything, but if you could just please sign up and 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 then uh, and find out, that would be helpful for I think okay. for our, for our listeners. And then this way, uh, because because realistically, like uh, as an example, again, no offense to points bet, but if you go right now on points bet and they'll only let you bet fifty bucks, what's the point of even putting these totals up? You know, like that's that's my thing on this. Uh, okay. It's fun. It's fun for content and fun for fodder. But if I can only bet fifty dollars on the Reds, then I'd rather not even. Go through this exercise because then is it your thought process that there is a limitation? That oh yeah, there's got to be a yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, why but is I'm, that? But I'm, but I'm hoping uh, because they're not willing to take that kind of exposure on things that are still uncertain at this time of the year. It's too uncertain for them. Uh, it gets them content. It gets them credit. But I'm not. I mean, maybe you can go 500 on a total in this, but I doubt it. I doubt it. I'd like to know. That's that's the thing, and I can't I can't get in there and figure it out even. With the shenanigans that I've tried to pull, can't do it. All right, uh, <laughs> God knows you. God knows you try. I've got your, some uh, shenanigan available yeah. availability here. All right, um, let's dive into uh, okay the Tigers. I think that's kind of where we left it off yesterday. Their total is fifty six and a half. I have a side bet with someone important that I, what did I say? I, I think I said that the yeah. I think I bet that the Tigers would win more games than the Orioles. Yes, that's what it was. I think I bet that the Tigers would win more games than the Orioles, and this person uh, argued with me and fought me. Now, there's no money involved. I think it's a dinner that we bet. But I basically made the case that Detroit, with Miguel Cabrera on his last legs or whatever it is, with the two guys that they added, I think they added Scope and they added Crone. Crone, That's who it was. Mm -hmm. I said, you know what? 
And then he made the case, oh, come on, they're going to trade those guys at the deadline. It's going to be a disaster. We have no one coming up in the second half. Orioles have a little bit. They have uh, using El Diaz. And I'm like, okay, all right, so let's let's go down with it and let's bet it. So I'm going to have to bet over here. <laughs> I'm going to have to go over on Detroit to back up my bet. I'm not going to put money on it, but I do have a side dinner on it. So I'm going over 56 and a half. Uh, I'm going to go under uh, this. Rotation. Oh, no, that's bad news. Sorry. Sorry. It's 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 not it's it's a bad team. I mean, and I, and I like the additions of Cronin scope. I think that's nice. But I also feel like if those guys play even remotely well, that they're going to flip both of those guys. Oh, of course. They will. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, if we're talking about 162, right? And over 162 after Matthew Boyd, I don't know where this rotation goes. I mean, and, and Joe Jimenez, I mean, that's the kind of closer I got my eye on this year because no one likes him because he had a shot and he wasn't great right away. So so everyone's off of him. Everybody who loved him last year is off of him. And then he got another shot and he was better. Um, so, yeah, it's it's not a good baseball team. It's not. And it's and it's good that they, at least they brought in some more, you know, proven major league talent. And Crone's coming off a nice year. And and Scope, we all know, is has some pop in that bad. Problem yeah. is, you know, the contact rate and the on-base percentage is never any good. But I, I would say overall, you know, Miguel Cabrera, when I watched him play last year, I, he just looks totally done. He just totally. It's so sad and, and such done. a shame. I mean, it every is. every year. See, the thing is, he's, he lives here. And so I've known him through the years. And I wouldn't say that we're best friends or anything like that. We have the same birthday. Um, but, you know, it's people that are close to him. The problem with this is that I've been told now for three years in a row that he's motivated and he's ready and he's in good shape and to buy in. And I'm like, OK. And so I say those things because I trust those people. And I just can't do it again. I've done it two years in a row. Now, I haven't bought him in fantasy, but I'm just like, OK, you know, all right. Look, I hope so, because he was a Marlin and a, and a rookie of the year and a World Series champion. And he's somebody that I root for. But you're, you, I have to go with you on that one. Like I just, and basically they've basically established that he's only the DH. Maybe that will help him, but he's owed so much money. But I will say this: between Cabrera, Crone, and Scope, did they get Cozart too, or no? Did they get him? Uh that's a that's a good question. I have to I, check on I, that. I, one. I think they, I, I think they added another piece between those pieces. All I'm saying is, is that I think they're better than Baltimore. I do. I think that they are, and and I think Baltimore's direction. No, Cozart's in San Francisco. I knew that's he where was he in the National League. Okay. Yeah, he's not there. Um, and Cole, the, I mean, I, God, that guy never plays either. I mean, let's, well, let's not, be honest. I, there, I, they just got him to get a prospect. Uh, the Giants did, but and they took the money because they they have free payroll. But I think the Tigers' regulars are better than the Orioles' regulars. I like the Orioles' direction better. I like their general manager Mike Elias better than I do Alavila, and I think they are going to be better faster than the Tigers are. But I think just for this year alone, and it may not be necessarily a good thing, I think the Tigers will be better. Uh, Houston is 97 and a half. I'm going to go over. I am going to say that all of this adversity is going to show up in, in an everyday basis for them. And they're going to want to show that the this whole nonsense, which we'll find out very shortly about the suspensions and everything. I think that's what we've been saying that. for two months now, by the way. We'll find out shortly. Yeah, we never will. Uh, I, I think they will use this as motivation. I know a lot of guys on that team. I, I think that they are going to perform and perform at a very high level. I think they're winning over 100 games. As I've illustrated here before, I don't bet the overs on the on the very high numbers and the very low numbers because, as you know, and God forbid, one injury to Verlander, one injury to Bregman, one injury or two injuries to this team, and then you're looking at 80 wins and not 97. So I'm never willing to go on these uh, high numbers because there's just too much variance. But I do think that for the purposes of this, that they will win a hundred. 
Uh, I, I agree 100%. I mean, I understand last year they were all world, and I understand last year they had Garrett Cole. But uh, do we really think that we're looking at the Houston Astros as Garrett Cole being gone means they're 10 games worse? I don't. They've got Granky for the entire season. Granky is a very nice pitcher. He was very consistent all of last year. Isn't showing any signs of wearing down. Seems like a good spot for him. Where he just kind of still doesn't have to be the guy. He's behind Verlander, and I always like him better when he's just one of the guys instead of the guy. And, you know, we'll see what you get out of McCullers and Yaquiti. But, look, I mean, the, the back half of this rotation has been in question for the last two years. And they've pieced it together. They've pieced it together with, you know, the the Wade Miley's of the world. And and uh, I'm trying to think of some of the other names. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Colin McHugh made some starts. I mean, you know, they, they figure it out. But you're telling me that you got a full season of Jordan Alvarez or Jordan Alvarez, excuse me, in that lineup. And you're telling me you get. Um, maybe, maybe this is the first year you get 150 games out of Carlos Correa and all of a sudden they're not a hundred win team. I don't see it. I just don't see it at all. I think this is, they're still the class of this division and they've still got more talent than you possibly imagine. It would take catastrophic injuries and really, like you said, an injury to Verlander for this team not to get there. So to me, I, I think it's, it's an over two and it's a high tough one, but it's an over. All right, the Royal season win total is at 66 and a half, which is significant because it is way above Baltimore and way above Detroit. Now, let's keep in mind that the Royals do get to play against Detroit a lot, and so maybe that's what factors here into this total. They have a new manager and Mike Matheny, who has always made his teams good. They just haven't been as good as the Cardinals fans wanted them to be, so I would expect a little bit of a bump in managerial from him. They have... Uh, Solaire, they have Merrifield, they have a couple of okay pitchers. They uh, are, are tending to continue to trend in this direction of running a lot and stealing a lot. And that was the case with Merrifield. That was the case with Mondesi. And then they have one of the bigger sleepers in all of fantasy this year in Khalil Lee in double A, who, if he comes up, could steal 100 bases. Some people feel like this is the next 100 base dealer, but he'll have to make the team and lead off, those things will have to happen for him. Uh, provided they don't bring Gordon back, that'll be a start. So we'll see. Just keep an eye on that player. I don't know if that necessarily uh, will lead to a lot of wins for them, but I, I don't think that both Detroit and Kansas City will lose 100 in that division. So I'm going to just pass the Royals' win total because I'm not really sure what their goal is going into the year. Well, this is kind of why I was so negative about Detroit is because I still think Kansas City's a decent ball club. I think we all agree the White Sox are going to be better than they were last year. And then you still got the Indians rotation and the lineup of the Twins. So that's a lot of pounding that the Tigers are going to take. 66 and a half is the number. Last year, this is a team uh, that won 59 games. I think they're five games better, maybe. I don't know if they're seven. I don't know. That's a tough sell with the rotation they've got. I think that's that's my issue. Is I actually like this lineup. I, I already talked about the the beauty of Whit Merrifield, I think that um, you look at Hunter Dozier had a very nice under-the-radar season. Solaire broke out. Mondesi was good until he got hurt. I don't know if Michael Franco will be anything, but it's certainly uh, you never know. I'll, what I'll help you scary. out with that. No. No, no. Okay. <laughs> uh, but look, it, it's about how much can the return of Salvador Perez help this rotation? Can he get the best out of Duffy and Junis? And everybody always likes to talk about... Oh, the pitching's good. The pitching's bad here and all that stuff. But nobody ever talks about the catching. And Salvador Perez is a really good catcher. And I and I feel like his presence there helps them. I just don't think I can get quite to that win total because of this division. But I think it's better than the 59 they won last year. I just think it falls short by a couple of the elements. I think this is a dangerous one. So I'm going to go under. 
Okay, and uh, we'll leave it at that. We'll continue looking at season win totals as we go along. On Monday, we'll shoot out to L.A. We'll do the Dodgers, the uh, Angels, Marlins, Brewers, uh, Twins, Mets. We'll continue the conversation right here on Fantasy Sports Today. Uh, But coming up next, it's time to look at the Sunday games in the NFL, Texans and Chiefs, Seahawks and Packers. You're listening to Fantasy Sports Today with Craig and Joe. Also, make sure you catch all our great programming over on SportsGrid TV, as well as on Zumo TV. All of that is streaming live. Some really fun conversation and discussion from a wagering point of view. Don't go away. We'll be right back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. The intriguing games, I believe, in the NFL are Sunday. Welcome back, Fantasy Sports Today. And intriguing to me, why is it intriguing to me? Well, because when I don't have a strong opinion on a game, that means I'm fascinated by the line. And that is definitely indeed the case for one of these games. Not for the Texans and Chiefs, though, on Sunday. Uh, I think that I've gone all year long, and Howard Bender and I talked about this on our live stream last night where we're in the uh, Las Vegas Super Contest, we're in the Golden Nugget Football Contest, and we were trying to think if we have laid nine and a half points in any NFL game this year. And we came to the conclusion that we believe that out of 17 weeks and five picks per week that we did it twice the whole year, that's it, (laughs) of laying nine and a half points. So this is going to be the third time because I don't have any confidence whatsoever in the Houston Texans. Tennessee has Derrick Henry. Houston can't run. Uh, Tennessee can control the clock. Houston is a disaster on the offensive line. Uh, Houston has the better quarterback than Tennessee, but I just think at some point this magic has to run out. How can I mean, how can Watson keep doing this week after week against the Raiders? He was falling on his butt and he just threw it up in the air and Fells caught the touchdown to win the game against them. And the Raiders did cover that game, but still, I mean, Buffalo was one play away from beating Houston and the dudes ran into each other and and Watson breaks out, throws the game winning pass. Uh, This game is at night. It's in Kansas City. It's going to be freezing cold. The Chiefs defense is much better. I cannot take Houston in this game. I cannot do it. I think that the Chiefs are going to blow Houston out and I think that they're going to play a fantastic game against Baltimore potentially in the AFC championship game. The total is also 51, which tells you that the Chiefs are going to score 25, 30 points, I think, in this game at, at the least. So I, I see a blowout here. I see the Chiefs winning, Joe, by a lot, and I don't think it's going to be close. That's my opinion on the game. I agree. It's the total that you got to figure out what that's going to be. So do you think that this is a game where you're talking it's 35-17? Is that the kind of score you're looking at? Because higher. if you think it's a blowout, yeah, higher, higher on... I think Kansas City puts like a 40 spot on Houston. Well, then what's Houston put up? Because that that's that's the problem. It's like maybe, how maybe two touchdowns, two touchdowns, maybe a field goal. Maybe a, I, I, I would say 42 to 13 would be or 42 to 20, something like that. 
I'm going to go over here, but I'm not. I don't, I don't love the total because. Yeah, see, I don't love the total either. I think the total is kind of a trap. I do think the Chiefs win by more than a touchdown, two touchdowns. Like I think, I think that's the thing. I just don't know how much. How, I mean, how much of a better spot could Kansas City be in? I don't know. Playing I, against you know what the worst team about? left in the NFL. They're the worst yeah. team left in the NFL in the NFL playoffs. Andy Reid off a of bye week is the best in the history of the NFL. They've got all their players rested. They've got their but running game back. it is off a bye back. week where you don't know who they're playing. So it's one thing to have two weeks to prepare for one team. It is another thing to... Does it just, matter, really? It, it you, you're playing against one it? player. You're playing Look, against one player on, on Houston. That's I can't all they shake have. out of my mind the game where the Texans went into Baltimore and got their ass handed to them. And it feels like it's going to be that kind of game again. That's what, Denver, <laughs> that's Denver like. destroyed Houston in Houston. Denver I, did. Eh? I, I don't think this game is close. I think it's easy. And I'll, of course, Houston will win. I'll be completely wrong. But I am I am taking Kansas City. I am t- This is the biggest favorite I'll take all year. Mahomes passing yards, 297 and a half, over under, way over for me. I'm going to go over as well. I will go over. I think it's a 300-yard game for Mahomes. I think he hits that number. Watson, 252 and a half pass yards, way over for me again here too. Oh, man. I'm going to go under. Not much, but under. 300 and something yards for him too. No choice. You think everyone, you think it's going to just be, yeah, I know no choice, but you got to complete all unders on the running under for Duke Johnson, 15 and a half under for Carlos Hyde, 63 and a half. All I I turn my key on those. I'm with you on those. All right. Now here, I'm not sure. Damian Williams, 52 and a half. He's he's looked much better, (laughs) but I don't know which way they'll go. If I had to say, I would say under on the rushing, because I think it's more of just like the little outlet passes to him that you're going to see more of than him just rushing the football 20 times. I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, and, and they could use and if other they guys. sit on it, it's going to be McCoy or somebody else sitting on the football. Like it's not going to. We be, also don't Damian know who will be active, right? Will they? Will they have Damian Williams, Daryl Williams, and McCoy active for this game? What? How has that played out? They could, right? They're all healthy. I believe McCoy. Yeah, I think everyone's healthy. I have seen that they're all. I want to say they're all active. I believe I even saw that. Like that was the whole point of resting McCoy when they did, so they could have him active for this game. So if there's if there's garbage time, I think McCoy is going to be the garbage time guy because he trusts him to hold on to the football. Kelsey 70 and a half. Uh, I don't I wouldn't say both Kelsey and Hill go over their number. So I'll go under on Kelsey 70 and a half and over Hill 74 and a half. Uh, I think they both go over. I think they both go. If you think he's getting 300, where's it coming from? Uh, Watkins, too. I didn't include him. Hill and Kelsey. Uh, Hopkins 81 and a half. I'll go over on this, too. Um, All right. I'll, I'll go with it. I'll go over on that one. Okay, and then I threw some extra ones in here uh, because they had them available. Watson's pass uh, touchdowns, one and a half over under. I'll go over. I'll go under. I think it's going to be a blowout, and I think Hyde runs one in. Okay. Uh, Tyreek Hill receptions, five and a half over under. I'm going to go over. I agree. Hopkins receptions, six and a half. I will go over. And then I'll go under on Hill's longest reception, 28 and a half. That, That I'll go under on. Uh, I'll go over on that one because I don't see who matches up with him. Okay. <laughs> I don't, I don't see how that happens. And it's right. nice to got JJ Watt back and all to put a little pressure, but it's not going to, I don't, Stop. I don't know. Stop. No, I'm just saying, well, that always helps the corners, but I don't think it helps them enough. With Kill. Nothing helps enough. I just, I, I, I mean, look, maybe safety look, help helps. But didn't, I don't think they have didn't safety Houston help. played KC and, and beat them this year or kept it close or something. Right. Yeah. Well, that was, that was like two what, years. That ago. when Mahomes wait oh, this year. No, you said, was it this I'd year? have to go back and look. I don't know. Right. <laughs> this year is now a blur. I'll look while you go to the next one. All right. This is the mystery game here. Seahawks Packers. I, I'm just not going to pretend to have a strong opinion on this game. I, I just don't. I really don't know. Uh, Packers statistically are not 
even close to what their record is. Seattle statistically is also not close, and they're coming off a game that I think that was flat out embarrassing. They did not play well against Philadelphia at all. McCown almost beat them. Uh, Philadelphia had the ball in the red zone at the 20-yard line two different times with a chance to tie the game. That should never have happened in this one. Seattle also can't run the ball at all. I'm not buying anything that the coach is saying about Lynch or about uh, Travis Homer. The line is now four and a half. I think that's because there's bad weather coming and the snow is somewhat involved. I don't love the total either. Um, I, I think I just have to strictly pass this game. I I, I, I feel like the, the, the everyone is going to take Seattle, and I'm just not sure that that's the right side here. I just I just I I, I don't know. They can't run at all. Is Metcalf again going to have that game that he had last week? I don't think so. So I got I don't even know if I have a lean. I guess I would lean Green Bay, but I, I just don't. I don't really feel strongly about it. I don't either. I I've, my gut tells me Russell Wilson pulls a rabbit out of a hat here. It, it just does because I think that he's he's that guy that when the spotlight's on in the big moments he shows up and with Rodgers I I mean I've just found the Packers underwhelming all year and everything tells you the Packers should win this football game and I don't know and everything tells you that the, the Seattle is, is limping into this game but I think if Wilson and Metcalf can take the success of last week and roll it over into this week I think they pull a rabbit out I really do by the way to answer your question it was weak uh, six, the Texans beat the Chiefs 31-24. Mahomes threw for 273 and three touchdowns. Um, but again, I think the big difference is is a very different Chiefs defense that they're playing this time around. Uh, Deshaun Watson had one touchdown, two picks in that game. Carlos Hyde had a touchdown. Deshaun did rush for two touchdowns. So, so it was the Deshaun Watson show. It was week six, but very different Kansas City defense week six than week 16, 17. All right, so let's go through, uh, through some of the props here. So do you want to make a pick or pass? I'm passing. You could take <clears> somebody <throat> if you want. Uh, uh, what, for the Rodgers? Uh, no, we for uh, Seattle, uh, Green Bay. Oh. You want to do anything? Uh, no, I'm going to pass. Here. All right. It's Ro- just, Rodgers, yeah. 251 and a half pass yards. Under. He's, will, he's lived under there most of the year. He's had like two games, three games most over that all year long. I will agree. Um Wilson two forty nine and a half. This feels like over. it has to be over. Yeah, has to be over. No choice. If the rabbit shows up. Has to even be over. even with not. I don't think there's any choice in this one. Yeah, this may be my favorite one of all. It's just it, they're not going to be able to run. So mm-hmm. I think they're going to. You just hope the weather allows him to throw the football, which I think he. Yeah, think well, that's true too. We have to. Yeah, I'm I'm just staying away from a lot of these. Uh, Aaron Jones sixty seven and a half rush yards over. Lynch thirty six and a half rush yards. Where's that coming from? I'm going under. Uh, yeah, I think you have to go under. Although the weather plays into Marshawn, but he doesn't. He can't run. I don't think he, he can can't run. run. But the thing is, can you can you can you have the phone? Oh, he's going to gonna get him. fifteen carries for twenty yards. That's it. okay. Adams eighty and a half receiving yards. Um, that's the only guy he throws to. So I'll say over. Probably. Let's <laughs> see. That's it. There's Metcalf, your eighty, and that's it. <laughs> Metcalf sixty three and a half over. Has to be over. And Lockett sixty. It doesn't have to be with him. Has to be Metcalf's that guy. Eh, I don't know. I think that the I, I would think Green Bay is a lot more prepared to see him than Philadelphia. They is, can be but. prepared all they want. Their corners are not that great either. Uh, lock it sixty five and a half. Gosh, that's right on the. I'm passing on that one. It's like right on the button for me. Wilson's longest pass thirty eight and a half. Mm, Wilson's longest pass past thirty eight and a half. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say under. I just I don't know. I gotta say under. I'll take a shot with an over on that. Uh, Lockett's receptions, four and a half. 
I'm going to go over on the receptions, but under on the yards. I feel like I feel like it's going to feel like that. Like he almost is becoming the possession guy. Mm-hmm. And then Metcalf become the big play guy. I think that's what they're evolving into right now. Hollister, boy, he had a terrible game last week. A lot of penalties that kept pulling him out of the game. Uh, receptions, uh, three and a half for Hollister. I'll go over. That's a really low number. I think there's no choice with all of these guys with yeah. the passing. Rogers pass attempts, 33 and a half. 33 and a half pass attempts. I'm going to say under. I just think they're going to run the football, run the football. I just, you know, they got to put the pressure on the other team. Here's the ball with this much time and make Russell Wilson go out there and, and do it because God knows they can't keep the Packers off the field with a run game. So I'm going to say under. And what about Wilson's passing touchdowns? Uh, one and a half. Over. Over. Absolute over, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It does feel like that as well. All right. So. Uh, so I, so we see, uh, aside from totals here, um, I guess I see Green Bay going to San Francisco to play for the NFC championship, which is very chalky, but that's what I see. And I see Kansas city going to Baltimore going for the AFC championship, most likely with Baltimore being, I would guess a three and a half, four point favorite. And I would right. And I would see San Francisco being a little bit more than that against Green Bay. I, I would probably say I'll end up taking whoever the 49ers play against in the NFC Championship, understanding that I believe that they'll still win. But I don't see a close game this week, which means it'll probably be a close game the following week. And I'll probably take the points also whoever in the AFC. I'll probably take Kansas City in the AFC Championship if they get there, too. That's kind of the way I see it playing out. Yeah, it's pretty boring. It's pretty dull right there. It is, but I, I, I have what I'd no love choice. to see? I'd love to see. I don't think it's going to happen, but I would love to see Minnesota have to go to Seattle. <laughs> I oh. think that would be great. No, yeah, no let's do it. Let's throw everybody in a tizzy. Let's do it. What do you mean? Oh, I don't no, know. You got Russell Wilson at home. Yeah, let's do it. It's fun. I think Ten- I Tennessee is the one interesting team to me this weekend. And we'll we'll, we'll know think, in the, I, we'll know in the first five minutes of the game. That's what'll be interesting. Well, you, you, I, it'll be fourteen AFC, nothing or nothing nothing. I, unfortunately for the AFC, I don't think there's. I don't. I, I think it's a foregone conclusion. I really do. And I like Tennessee. I actually like them as a football team <laughs> a lot. I just. I don't think they can match up. That's unfortunate. But I just don't think we're at that place. So I think the AFC is going to be chalky. I think you're going to get at least one surprise in the NFC. I don't think we're going to have four favorites just advance like that. All four home teams just move on. That's boring. That's not what 2019 slash 2020 has been in the NFL. Something's going to go wacky. And I just well, don't think it's coming out of the AFC. Uh, eight, eight straight games, of, it's gone that way the last two years. Well, all, it's time to break the mold. It's a new year, baby. <laughs> don't let the trend be your friend, says Joe Pizzi. <laughs> all right, let's, uh, let's wrap it up here with some uh, two-minute warning. When we come back, don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. As we wrap up the show here and the week on this Friday, it is time for our two-minute warning. The two-minute warning. Two minutes, get your 
together. Is that gonna be enough time? Officially, this is it, folks. If you're a big football fan, I understand that football is year-round. You have the draft, you have the combine, you have everything else. But for purposes of the real fans who like all sports, baseball, football, basketball, hockey, everything else, we've reached the pinnacle. Four big games this weekend in the NFL and then college football's championship on Monday night. Enjoy it because this is basically it for six months. You got a couple of games next Sunday, a week off, and then the Super Bowl. Uh, This is really the final big week of the, quote, college and pro football season. So I would tell you this. Savor it, enjoy it, get into it, and make every second your favorite of the 2020 year because you ain't going to have it for another six months. Baseball is coming fast, folks. So enjoy your last weekend of college and pro football. The bottom line is it's baseball time basically starting next week. That'll do it for our show. For my co-host Joe Pizapia, I am Craig Mish. Also, thanks to Sean Guastamacchia, our producer, and uh, thanks for playing that uh, clip back of uh, Warren Moon. Really good uh, conversation as well. Dr. Rode is up next with full-time fantasy, his opinions on all of the games this weekend. And then we will be back on Monday at noon with a recap of the NFL games and a preview of Clemson and LSU. Have a great weekend, everybody. See ya.